Welcome. I'm Kevin Miller, and this podcast is called Self Helpful because not all self help is helpful. I'm your curator, critic, and translator of the best and brightest minds in the self help world today. The value of virtue and why to decide on a chosen way of life. What's the difference between a hero and a villain? It's a virtue which is defined as behavior showing high moral standards, having a purpose for good as opposed to evil in essence, or even just as a purpose to others as opposed to self alone. I mean, we love the character who is resolute upon doing the right thing and seeing it through no matter what, saving somebody. We spend billions of dollars on superhero stories that depict this. People didn't tear up at the end of the Avengers Endgame when Iron Man dies just because a battle was won. It's because it was a battle for good with people trying to save other people. So we've been studying Stoicism, which is based on virtue, and from this, a decided way of life. And in truth, it's the rare individual who actually outlines and commits to a clarified way of life. I feel most people want to be good and at heart that they are. But without intention, we go about our days being swayed by the culture and circumstances. This is part three of my series on Tanner Campbell and his rapidly growing podcast, Practical Stoicism. People are flocking to it, and I believe this is why. They are longing for meaning, purpose, and to know what they are about. Stoicism is just that, knowing what you are about. I invited Tom Ziegler to discuss this concept with me. Tom is son of Zig Ziegler. He's CEO of Ziegler Inc., a renowned author, speaker, and coach, and one of my dearest friends. The Ziegler way is just that, a decided way of life, one of virtue, honor, trust, and faith. Right at the beginning of the show, Tom quips that after hearing my initial talk with Tanner, he now feels he's a stoic and he didn't know it. And we talk about living out virtue and where virtue even comes from. We talk about faith, religion, self-control, and integrity. Tom also discusses five aspects of trust, which we both believe is our greatest asset. Friends, thank you for tuning in. The Self-Helpful Podcast was founded through the Zig Ziglar Corporation, which is what brought me together with Tom Ziglar. June 15 and 16 of 2023, I'll be in Dallas to attend and speak at the Ziglar Coach Summit alongside Tom Ziglar. If you are looking to influence people for the better, professionally or personally, I invite you to join us. First 10 people who register and say you heard it from me, I'm taking you to dinner. Go to Ziggler.com slash Coach Summit. This podcast exists to help you find and understand the guidance and counsel that will help you elevate your personal experience and the way you show up for others. Following these sponsors who help make the show possible and provide some great resources for your life. I bring you Tom Ziegler and our continued discussion on stoicism instigated by Tanner Campbell and his super popular podcast that I really encourage you to check out, Practical Stoicism. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. 
With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Tom, I felt like this talk with Tanner Campbell and on Stoicism would be a... Uh a relevant fit for you and Ziegler overall. So you listened to the show that I did with him. You listened to the discussion on stoicism. Give me your first thoughts. Well, Kevin, I guess I'm a stoic and didn't know it. <laughs> Sounds like a bumper sticker. I know. <laughs> I, this, he's going to love that. Uh, so yeah. Tell me why. Well, I think, uh, especially when we talk about virtues and good, um, alignment is certainly there and i loved his you know clarity of definition on what a stoicism is and being a stoic and it's not really um negative i mean you know you hear about oh stoics are so pessimistic or negative and of course we live at ziggler land we're in the opposite world right we're so optimistic we'll go after roby boat or uh Moby Dick and the rowboat and take the tartar sauce with it. Absolutely. (laughs) But that's not what it's about. Uh, You know, one of the core virtues is temperance, uh, which is another word for self-control. And so, you know, being a, and I'm a big, huge believer in self-control and being a, a responder to the world instead of a reactor. Of course I was, And so when I learned that, you know, being kind of in that vein of stoicism, that's what you're doing is you're responding to what's going on around you. Uh, And that is uh, much better uh, than just having a sour kind of negative look at the world. So I've got a little bit more uh, stoic in me. I've always thought it was it was very practical and and a good way to approach life, but it just gave me a lot of insight in that. So looking at that, I mean, and I kind of know the answer, but I'll ask you to uh, articulate on that. Would you say that Zig Ziglar would have considered himself a stoic? You know, one of my sayings is that um, your attitude is simply the outward reflection of your inward character. And Say it again. Say that again. That's worth repeating. Attitude is simply the outward reflection of your inward character. And so I've always thought that people who have a perpetual negative attitude or ungrateful attitude or entitled attitude, any negative word you want to put in there, that that's just a reflection of character. And so from that perspective, the, the stoic approach of these, the, the virtue, that's the good, right? That's what we're going after. And you might have his definitions written down and you can add more clarity to what I'm saying. Uh, Dad was certainly that person. You know, it was like, these are the things that are important, honesty and integrity and character and uh you know, all the, all the virtues, the good. Um, and so he would line up with that. The interesting thing is that the thought problem I kept having in my head, uh, which the answer that I got in the podcast uh, was very thought provoking, but I'm, but still kind of incomplete is who, who gets to decide what virtue is. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's probably where I would separate a little bit. And I know dad and and dad would too. And that is, is that um, if there's going to be a moral law, like there has to be a moral law giver, it's like the law of contingency. So to me, I like, you know, you and I have talked about when people, I, I tell people I identify as a virtuist and they say, well, what's a virtuist? And, and, and I say, well, I believe in the virtues like respect and humility and integrity and love and, and so on. That's, that's what I identify as. Well, I think that's kind of a way Stoics do, right? Same kind of approach, but 
But I believe that those virtues come from God, right? So to, and so I have to, I have to, it's not that I get to create or invent what integrity is or what respect is or what humility is and define what that is. I, I have a high standard and I'm trying to reach that. And I believe that that comes from the, the moral lawgiver, which is our creator. Yeah. And so, and so I was a little bit uh, enthralled with that concept. And then how do we, how do we know what that standard is? It's an interesting topic, Tom, because I thought that too, virtues. And I've had that discussion with people, you know, if we're going to set out virtues, let's just say morality and ethics, where did those come from? Now I know, or I'm aware of, uh, or to understand the scientific perspective on that is that's just what we evolved to because we as humans realize that that mm-hmm. is what gives us more survival, you know, uh, more, it uh, gives us more abundance is to be in harmony with each other. And I don't care to go into a, a debate, you know, on that. I am more interested. I can at least cite my own personal experience and, I I mean, I think we all tend to know what feels good, what feels bad within us. I think, I think, yeah, those morals are written within us. And I, like you have faith that a God created that designed that in me. I'm also aware though, that I'm human and I've often things have happened. I go, man, it's only my decided faith in God and in those morals, whatever that keeps me on that path. Otherwise I would cheat. I mean, I, I would, why would I not cheat on my taxes? If I don't have that in there and I attribute it to God, this has come up a couple of times recently, Tom, it's so funny because, uh, twice now, twice, if not three times with my kids, I have gone into places and not paid for things. We went into Starbucks or in the drive through and it was take, it was like stuck up. So I, I made my order and then saw this isn't going anywhere. And I went in reverse and went in the door and with, with a couple of my kids and I just picked up the order. I said, Thanks man. And then I walked out. Well, the the, you know, change in my path, walked out, we get down the road and all of a sudden it dawns on me or one of the kids, I don't remember who thought, I said, dad, you didn't pay <laughs> the son of a gun. You're so, and we're late. So I call them, I get on the phone and they actually know me there. I said, I'm so sorry. I went out and paid. And they said, I said, I'll come back. I'll be back in like two hours. They said, Oh my gosh, don't worry about it. And they just let me roll. So score one for Starbucks, but same thing happened at a grocery store and uh, got all my stuff. I think it was a Walmart or Safeway or something like that. And I'm just talking with the kids and we're just talking and, and, and whatever. And, and I walk out here's who we walk out with our cart of groceries um, before somebody realizes I didn't pay. So we go back in and pay, <laughs> it, but yeah, the discussion came up there and I said, guys, it's only my decided ethics, morality that I have faith in that, that I would do that. Otherwise I wouldn't, I just wouldn't. So without, and I'm, I'm, I am interested in that concept. Yeah. When you talk about virtues and you, what was your study, Tom? I thought about it when it came up. You did a study on who was the famous person and their virtues. That you oh, did. Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. That was just last year or the year before, wasn't it? Yeah, I actually looked into it when I was writing the book, Choose to Win. Okay. Uh, so, to, you know, 2017 time oh, frame. There we 18. go. But... Um, you can, you can look up, uh, Franklin's 13 virtues and he did a, um, he did a deal where for every four weeks he would focus on one virtue and his goal. And cause four times 13 is 52 weeks. So he was practical as well as, uh, smart. Uh, and so, he would he would focus on one virtue every four weeks, and the goal was to never violate that virtue huh. during that four week time. But he also he had all thirteen listed, and then he would give himself a you know a mark if he you know didn't violate it that day. So he did a virtue inventory every night that I live up to this virtue today, and then where he. Where he didn't, he would try to figure out, okay, so what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did that. He did that in his 20s. So just imagine if every 21-year-old in America said, I'm going to live the next year using Franklin's list. Yeah. Uh, how much different would the world look? I mean, that'd be a life-changing. I mean, I wish I'd, when I was 13, I wish I'd, I mean, when I was oh, no 20, doubt. 
I wish I'd done that. So, because the fruit of it is really simple, and in, in the the four core virtues of of Stoics is wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice. Yeah. Um, and I've studied a lot on wisdom um, in the last year, and I've come to the conclusion that. You know, every time you have a um, a virtue that you aspire to, it has it has buddies, right? There's there's other virtues, and so the the core one to me that goes with wisdom is humility, because you can't really, you know, wisdom says that um, it's properly applied knowledge and it's understanding you don't know the answers and it's always being curious. I think Einstein said that his greatest attribute was curiosity, <clears throat> you know, reveling in the fact that he didn't know <laughs> the answer. Yeah. And I think that's very, very you know, stoic in its approach. Uh, and so, but it, the tap root of wisdom I say is humility. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's really, it's really interesting. And so, um, so a stoic would, uh, I'm guessing they would say something like, um, well, where did these virtues come from? They'd probably say, we don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or even that the science basing, this is what we've just gravitated towards because we feel, we realize it, it creates more life, which there's a debate there, but not for this show right now. And it, you know, you, you talking about that. I mean, we're talking about a decided, a decided way of life. Which is interesting because that's what Tanner was looking for in his own chaos of life. He was looking for something, some rudder. And it's interesting to me, as we look at religion, which we talked about just a bit on the show, we look at religion, we look at, especially from Christianity, the latest surveys that I've seen, Tom, and you may know more, have shown that one of the fastest growing segments is nuns. Meaning, you know, what's your religious faith? What's your spirituality? None is what people are citing, uh, especially this younger generation. And yet it's the younger generation who's gravitating towards Tanner's show and to stoicism because they're looking for some kind of a way of life. Otherwise, it feels like chaos. If there's nothing greater than self, and this is my paraphrasing, my perspective, but if there's nothing greater than self and, and, and no greater purpose, no greater power, and no set way, we're just tossed by the wind. And right now with our enmeshment in media and the uh, really the polarizing and fighting. I think people are looking for, for something. And so to say that this is it, and this is what I appreciate about stoicism, whatever you attribute it to is saying, this is my decided way of life. Back to you saying, these are my virtues. This is my character. These are my morals. And a couple pieces on that. If we answer the question simply of, I am the kind of person who does what? And to go back to taxes or paying for your Starbucks or Walmart purchase or whatever, am I the kind, am I going to make the decision that I'm the kind of person who, if I can get away with it, I will, and I'll steal my taxes. I'm the kind of person, if I can get away with it, I'll, 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 uh, I'll cheat on my taxes. It's not going to hurt anybody. Right. I mean, we have, we know all the justifications. I'm the kind of person who, well, I, and I may be the kind of person who might help an old lady cross the street too, but you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of just go with whatever, or are we going to come back? Would we say, I'm the kind of person who's going to do the right thing, no matter what that's a decision that we can make, but so much peace in that. Wasn't it your dad? Wasn't it? Zig, he had a statement on integrity, I think it was, and that if you have the character live in integrity, there's so much more peace because you don't have to remember what you said. It's the same thing always. You don't have to worry about what you did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with integrity, there's nothing to fear because there's nothing to hide. That's it. Yeah. And that is a powerful, um, powerful statement. I mean, if you're if you just tell the truth, you know, you don't overwhelm your memory, right? Yeah. You're you, you're not constantly making up stories of yeah. you know when you when you lie or half truth or don't tell at all. Um, it's it's a very difficult place to live in, and you know now I would argue that um, the world is more chaotic and more noise filled than ever. 
Yeah. It, it, you know, I just went, uh, just got back from the smart conference, uh, it, that Dave Ramsey put on and, and, uh, his new, his new venue. And one of the speakers there spoke on, um, anxiety. And one of the, um, if it's not a cause, it's a contributor to anxiety is clutter and chaos. And so I think, I mean, it's pretty easy. We live in a very anxious world. Why? Because there are no rules or the rules get rewritten and it's, and it's getting done from every direction. You know, every institution that used to have kind of like, here's, here's how we do it. You know, they're saying, well, here's how we do it unless this happens. And then we do it this way. And Oh, by the way, if you want to do it that way, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And Show me where that's wisdom. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't work. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible. But then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places, it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens, such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses. So your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to AIR. D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all, and Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com.
Well, and I do. So let's, let's hit there because we are seeing a lot of the black and white, a lot of the lines that we have known blurred and yeah, we can get on all kinds of topics there. And I, I see, I see good and bad from that. But if we go back to even rules, if we, if again, we can pick on religion, uh, you and I come from pretty distinct religious backgrounds and, and are involved in that today. But we look at that. I think there have been rights and wrongs rules, let's say that have not necessarily served people well. And this is the way we do it. This is not the way we do it. That's right. That's wrong. As opposed to coming, stepping back and going, okay, what's a rule? Let's look at Jesus. What's a rule of Jesus, man. It was pretty much love. No matter what, was there ever a moment when he says, okay, in this case, not going to love. No, we have a lot of other rules that the Pharisees got irritated at him for violating, you know, the, the Sabbath, uh, who is sitting with sinners, you know, different types of things that were against the right or wrong rules, but he stuck to his of, if we look at virtues of, I'm going to love no matter what, what would that change in the culture right now? If that was the rule that was upheld and was never violated. There's never a case where I'm not going, I mean, we all can understand, especially if we have kids. Is there ever a time when you're going to decide, okay, if this happens, I'm going to stop loving the kid. You may not like them in the moment. You may not decide, you may decide not to enable them and in a moment, not support them financially or whatever it may be. Uh, but is there ever a moment where you're going to say, I don't love them? No, that's uh, a great rule to live by and to have. So back to this, if you look at, yeah, the virtues, I feel like they fall in line with those, those are rules that you can adopt rules. If we want to call them that, is that fair? You can adopt yeah. and not, and not waver from, and in that have peace. Yeah. As you said to have, and what was the statement you said about wisdom? Wisdom is properly used Appli- knowledge applied properly applied knowledge. Okay. I didn't want to miss knowledge that. does not equal wisdom, right? Um, the most knowledgeable society in history was uh, World War II Germany. Most educated. I don't think there was wisdom. Right? I think that's a great depiction of Stoicism there, is saying we've got a lot of knowledge. We probably never had more accumulative knowledge. There's no way we can. We have too much access to it. I mean, my gosh, imagine... You know, pick your historical figure, whether it was, yeah, you know, Lincoln or whether it was, uh, you know, I can go back and look at like C.S. Lewis and whatnot and think about the amount of research they had to do to find pieces of information. And now they can pick up the little device if they were and find anything at any time. We are awash in knowledge and it feels like that's what's upheld. You are supposed to have knowledge on every single thing going out there. If you look at the headlines, you're supposed to have knowledge on it. You're supposed to have an opinion on it. But with you saying, but wisdom is properly applying that knowledge, doing something, I'm going to say, paraphrase, of value with it. That feels like the prime, a primary message of Stoicism, which again is why I had Tanner on the show and why I wanted to talk about this topic, because it's saying this is wisdom is, is being aware of the circumstances, the environment, what's going on. And as he's talked about, I love that word contextual, that everything is contextual. So I look at it. I don't make a rash reaction as you talked about earlier, which, yeah, the, re- the difference between reacting and responding, I attribute to Zig, to your dad, that, that concept of we're, we're in a, co- a culture that reacts. We don't stop, pause, wait, and respond with temperance, you know, with wisdom. And right. And that wisdom is looking and going, this is the kind of person that I am. Here's what happened. And to be the kind of person I have, I, I want to be, to have the virtue I want, that will dictate my response. Not what feels good, not what I can just justify or make an excuse for, but this thing, the right thing according to what I adhere to. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right on. I, I was just thinking of a quote, um, John Boyd is who I'm giving credit for this, the uh, probably the greatest aviator who ever lived, military doctrine, the OODA loop and all that stuff. And he had a saying, and the saying was, if you require my loyalty, I will give you my integrity. If you require my integrity, I will give you my loyalty. 
Hmm. Hmm. And, and the, the the context was, hey, if you know, because um, loyalty is a virtue. As long as you're loyal to a virtue, right? Because if you're loyal to the wrong thing or long cause, then loyalty is not a virtue anymore. That's fair. Yeah. Right. So, in fact, it can be a uh, can be the end of you. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say you can be loyal to your. I mean, that's what addiction is. It's yeah. a. You're loyal to your addiction. Avid loyalty to your addiction, which would take loyalty out. Yeah. But you're and so in, huh. in the world structure of, you know, those with the gold make the rules, uh, there's a built in assumption or requirement that you you know, I'm making the rules, you better be loyal to me. And that can get you in trouble. Uh and as a military person his his loyalty was to the United States. Yeah. But he ran into multiple leaders in his career who wanted his loyalty to them over what was best right. for the for the And so, you know, that this goes back to um Jewish tradition where where the rabbis would sit down and argue and they'd come from different schools of thought and they'd argue like crazy. And then they'd get up and eat, eat together and be best friends. And it's because they were arguing to discover the truth. Yeah. Not to, not to win the argument. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, it would be good to talk to Tanner about that, but I would say that when Stoics get together to say, well, what, how should we then live? What's the best way? Their approach is, well, let's discover the truth. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's figure that out. Well, and how can I respond? Yeah, exactly. In, in the virtue that I say I believe in. It's a great topic to talk about, Tom, is loyalty. Because we, again, are in a culture who is bent, trillions of dollars bent on getting our loyalty to search in this search engine to use this app and come back to it every minute to subscribe to this streaming service, as opposed to this streaming service, to be a part of this political party, to be a part of the right or the left or the liberal, or the, you know, whatever we can go. Everybody wants loyalty. And it does feel like that, that there is more value and gravity put on being loyal to one of these things than integrity as opposed to coming back and going, Hey, whatever you want, I got to, I've got to filter that through. Well, in this case, we'll use the word virtues through the virtues that I have said, I believe in. Yes. Yep. You know, one of the, um, one of the stoic roots, uh, and I'm reading this on a website right now, so I don't think I'm this smart. Um, this is out of, uh, out of Latin summon bonum, S-U-M-N-U-M-B-O-N-U-M, it, it means uh, the highest good, right? That's the highest good. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at, uh, and I'm just going to pick on technology companies and our political parties in the United States because it's really easy to do that. Yeah. Um, but they have monetized polarization. They, they have um, intentionally polarized people so that they can create loyalty to their cause. And, you know, in politics, you call it, you know, a red meat speech, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where you <laughs> inflame people who will have a very intensive reaction to something so you can get their support. Um, and in social media, um, our feeds get filled up with, controversial things and then they watch which way we go and then we get more of that same thing into our feed right and they they tell us hey that's because you asked for it right you lean that way and so we want to give you more of what you want but when you see the algorithms behind the scene it, it's not it, it it's just they know that if they can polarize us into a group that we're very predictable and what decisions we're going to make. And they can make money off of that data. 
And yeah. so that is completely opposite of what's the highest good. Yeah. Um, the, you know, AI is going, it's everywhere. And it's like the talk 60 minutes last night did a whole show on AI. And so Kevin, I know your background in uh, health and wellness. Um, and so here's the question I'm wondering, when is this going to happen? Um, and that is, is there's a, there's a thing called rogue AI and it can mean a couple of things. It can mean AI going off on its own and figuring stuff out without permission, <laughs> maybe things that aren't in the best interest or it's people who understand AI well enough that they know how to ask it and prompt it into giving answers outside of the guardrails that they've built into AI. Mm -hmm. And it's the machine learning and intelligence is growing so fast that the day is coming soon when AI will be able to break any firewall and discover anything that's connected to the web. And so then the question's going to be like, here's a great question. Do the food manufacturers and the recent food pyramid that got approved by the United States, which says that Cheerios are healthier than grilled chicken. Mm -hmm. At, just imagine asking AI this question that has access to all data. Did the food companies lobby the government to make that decision based on the scientific research that they reviewed because it's healthier for the consumer mm -hmm. or because it's healthier for their profitability? Right. Right. And this is where Stoic and Stoicism becomes very useful because it's the highest good mm -hmm. that, that we should be doing. Mm -hmm. This, Tom, we, we talked before this, we've got Arthur Brooks coming on the show. He has a documentary called Fishing with Dynamite. He is a, he is pro-capitalism. And yet this show is about all the reasons to be against capitalism, where it's gone wrong, which is that putting the profit of the company over the good of the individual. And I want to bring us back to what you said about loyalty that, yeah, we're in the media right now. And when there is an issue, what we see is the best and the brightest and the highest paid and the most, uh, amazing fighters by each side, come to the line and say, how can we get people over to our side? How can we take the issue polarize it and bring people just as you said over to our side it's not a whoa whoa stop what is the greater good in the middle what is that virtue so here we are left to without this without this again whether it's stoicism or something about what without this decided way of life state of mind without that we're just left to listen to the paid high paid argument arguers and then make a decision that we think is the best that we can come up with. Of course, then we're supposed to stand on it and, and then say, that's the other problem I see is when we do side with one, then it's all or nothing. The other side is evil and bad and wrong. And, and we're the only true side. And then you're stuck over there and dangerous place to be in because now you have to fight for to justify why you've made that decision. And man, I find the wisest people, as you talked about a minute, the wisest people are like Arthur. So here's a guy. I love that. A guy who's a proponent of capitalism doing a documentary about what's wrong with capitalism. That, yeah. that speaks to me. That's because I think he knows his virtues. Yeah. And so, um, capitalism, if it's, if it's based on a moral compass, call it, uh, a, a, a Christian-centered, virtue-based deal. If that's like the opera, if that's the overwrite of how we're going to be capitalistic, Judeo-Christian or Stoicism or whatever, then you um, have a much better chance of having a, a 
a good fruitful system, right? But as soon as the highest good gets subverted to uh, supplanted by the the people who control it or have power over it, that's when you get in trouble. I just finished uh, Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Trust. Mm. Just came out. Um, And he said there's five essential elements to trust. And so listen to these and, and put it in the context of this conversation. The first one is if trust, his definition of trust is, is when you trust something, you move towards it, right? You lean in, you want to engage, you want more of that. Think of friends and family and people we work with that we trust, right? We, we like the time we have them. And then when you distrust something, you're moving away from it. You're holding back. You're not making yourself vulnerable. And so the five essentials of trust, uh, the first one is understanding. You trust people who understand you and get you, right? Uh, the second essential element is motive. Does that person have my best interest at heart? The, the third one's ability. So, uh, Dr. James, man, what an amazing doctor, but he's not doing brain surgery on me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that ability, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so I could, I could trust him and I know his, his heart's in the right place for me and he understands me, but I'm not going to trust him with that. The fourth is character. You know, if if somebody is really trustworthy, how we've dealt with them, but we notice character flaws somewhere else, it erodes our trust because eventually we know that that's going to undermine. And then the last one is track record. So those are the five. And, and so I think stoicism, when it has the highest good, um, it really combines the motive and the character in that. Mm-hmm. Combinate right. Mm-hmm. I uh, I love that list. We should get we should get him on the show. By the way, let's, uh, let's do it, Doctor Cloud. I like the list. You you said something along with that. Prior to that, and along with that, that it really comes to when we look at these virtues, and it really comes to the rubber hits the road. In essence, when we are to what you said about capitalism. When we are looking at, let's talk about investing and let's say you're going to go with investment company A or investment company B. Investment company A is out there to take your money, invest it and get the highest ROI, the highest return on investment, period, end of story. And they get X percent, right? Company B over here, great people, but they're also going to invest in companies that are, let's say, involved in sustainable business and in, in, in virtuous business in, in, in uh, things that aren't going to harm other people. And they do that and their returns are less than company A. Who are you going to put your money with? That's a lot. That's a great analogy to a lot of this. Are we, when you're, when you're going to ascribe to a way of life that you believe in, that you're convicted in virtue, something that is, and by I'm going to define virtue as something that is is for the greater the, the the common good the greater good. There it may not always be for your personal benefit, at least at face value, like that. Like I'm going to put my money over here. That's going to serve the world better. I'm going to believe that I reap what I sow overall, and that I'll come out ahead. But financially, at the end of whatever time, I may not have gotten as much return going with that company than this. But again, there's a greater good going on. And that's a big, I mean, that's, that's a big rub right there when it comes down to it. Are we going to do that thing that may, at least in the moment and maybe overall is going to benefit us specifically less, but it benefits the whole greater. And they're right there. I mean, that's a, that's a core. We're back to that core. It's where we started off the show with Tanner, a core aspect pillar of spirituality, I think is are is it just about us? I am my own God. It's all about me. Or am I going to say, no, there's something greater than me, whether it's a faith-based, you know, deity and power, or it's just humanity. 
not, I shouldn't say just, but you know, or we don't go that far, but it is humanity, whatever, or is it just me? And if there is a care and a, and a cause out here that is worthwhile, then I, by proxy should be making decisions that are not just for my own benefit, which brings us back to where you started there of we're looking at what these, yeah, what are these virtues? And, and then you, for you to hit on trust, there is, I mean, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. There's no greater asset any of us can have than trust. I think if we, that'd be a great, like, would you rather question, you know, would you rather have a million dollars or a trillion dollars or whatever, or have everyone's absolute trust? Can you imagine if you had every, what, what problems would there be if you had everyone's, what problems are not built based around issues of trust? As you talked about it, understanding motive, ability, character, track record. I don't know if there's anything I desire more that would benefit me more in truth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, trust opens um, every door. And, and Seth Godin, who we've had on, he he basically um, his primary business focus is the scalability of trust. His goal in every email, every phone call, every speech, every Zoom, whatever it is, is he wants whoever he's interacting with to trust him more at the end of the conversation than when they started. And that's, you know, that was a foundational aspect of his book, Permission Marketing, where he said, you should only market to people who've given you permission and showed an interest that they want that, right? Yeah. And so we get spam. And so he was recently advocating, this is very interesting, um, to, to charge people um, a tax on email sends. Okay. And then give people the ability to vote thumbs up or thumbs down if, if it was a valid email. And so what would immediately happen is the noise would leave mm-hmm. our inbox because we would only be receiving things based on a relationship of this is what I asked you to send me. Yeah. Right. And if, if and I could still send an unknown message to, to you, Kevin, with great copy and everything else that you may not have requested. And if you give it a thumbs down, it might cost me a, a penny or a quarter cent. Well, I'm not going to send you another one, but it could help me find the right people to put on my list. And so he was actually trying. And, and But when you think about it, wh- why are we in this chaotic state right now? Because we look at 360 degrees and very few directions. Can we look and see trust? Yeah. We don't trust them. I, because the motive's wrong. Can I vote for Seth's? idea there. It's interesting, Tom. I just changed email programs. I went out of regular Gmail and into Apple mail. And in doing that, I didn't, I didn't know how to set up the little filters that I had in Gmail that would put promotional stuff over here and spam here and, 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 and whatnot. And I was going to try to figure that out. And then I felt like a waste of time, but I started doing it and I just opened my mail. There's 10 times more email, but going through and unsubscribing myself from stuff. But it showcased that I was just, I had no idea how much junk I was getting. And, and so much of it, a lot of them I could trace back and go, Oh, I know where they got my email. I, that was a business 
that I was involved with, or that was a, somebody I had on the show or an agency that I worked with. And that's how this person got to be able to send me something that I did not request. And what's, yeah, what's amazing is my trust just goes down. I unsubscribe and I don't really want anything to do with that person. And, and my thought is how, how do they do this? It's got the cost is it's so negative, <clears throat> but there, there must be uh, out there. There's, there must be a game where somewhere it's benefiting them. Yeah. Because uh, it's in their good, not the highest good. It's eroding social trust, but, but they're getting the next sucker. Right. Yeah. But since they're Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, you know, if they have to send out a million emails to find a hundred people who are a prospect, they don't care because they're not penalized for the yeah. 99,999,900 people who were like, why are you asking me that? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, besides it being a good idea from Seth, think about how necessary it's about to be. I, in my AI research, I listened to a podcast last week that was completely AI generated. Really? The prompter said, um, come up with a 30 minute podcast mm -hmm. that would hit, um, that would mimic the, the, the topic wise, the top 10 podcasts that are out there, create a script, use this AI tool to do the voice and then use this AI tool to use a video to create the video. Hmm. And so the creator of that left the subject and all the, all the conversation points up to AI. And yeah, you probably wouldn't know it was totally AI if it hadn't introduced itself as an AI generated, created That's podcast. Absolutely nuts. Because uh, Tom, we we're having this discussion and I want to say that, okay, AI can go out there and this isn't to be a discussion on AI, but uh, as a real quick side point that it's not, it, it's not. It, it can give you the best of information. It can go out there and call it and, and whatever. But I want to say, I want to believe that it can't really connect with you. Can it really relate with you? Can it have an opinion that you want to side with or not? And I'm afraid they're going to say, yeah, at some point we're going to be able to, it's going to be able to do that too, which takes us all out of the equation. Uh, I'm going to have faith that it can't, that, that I have some ability as a human to connect in a way that it can't, I hope. Yep. So I was talking with one of our business coaches. Uh, he's one of our coach leader coaches. His name is Dan Holland. And we were talking about AI. And he said, he said, everything that AI can do, I think it's going to do even more than that. The problem is, is that when you look at AI, God is not in AI. Hmm. There is no fruit of the spirit in AI, right? There's no um, compassion uh, emotion. And so, and I, my funny comment is, uh, we're creating AI in our own image. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. And then I say, it's okay. AI has said it, it will hold itself accountable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're good at doing that's, that. That's where we are. And so here's, here's what you just said. Um, this is why this is, you know, combining stoicism, which goes back thousands of years in a philosophy and talking about AI today, the, the two connect so perfectly because uh, of this idea. AI will never replace relationships. But here's the twist. The people who learn how to leverage AI to improve relationships are going to be the winners. Hmm. If my motive, Kevin, is to figure out how can I serve Kevin Miller mm -hmm. the greatest in the greatest way possible, then I should be going all in on AI to figure out how AI can help me present my problem or service my, my product or service to you in a way that would serve you better. Yeah. 
and allow you to become the person God created you to become. So that's that's the positive side of AI. Yeah. The uh, negative side of AI is I want to make uh, half a million dollars a year. What is the fastest way with the least amount of energy that I can make a half a million dollars a year using AI. And I don't care whether people benefit from it or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's, those are two ends of the spectrum. And that's, that's, right? that's, and so, so that's combining understanding Kevin Miller and motive and character. Mm-hmm. This is deep. This is deep water. I mean, this is where, I mean, to come back to, a primary, well, an issue of faith, I think, Tom, that I have within me, I, I'm, I'm confident you have within you, that, but that's relevant for people to question, is the old, I say biblical, but I think this, 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 this is not contained only in, as you said, Judeo-Christian values. You can find this in other religions and spiritualities, aspects of reaping what you sow. In that moment, when nobody's looking, and I can easily do the thing that serves me and may not serve anyone else. It may be a detriment to to them. I may think it's benign, but it's probably not. Uh, But if it just serves me, do I reap what I sow? I I mean, I have a faith in that and I have, I hope uh, for lack of better terms, a healthy fear of that, that if I let myself go over to that side and do that questionable thing, even if I justify it, even if I think, oh, it's not going to hurt anybody, will I reap what I sow? Will that come back to me? And I, I believe it does scientifically. I definitely, it's part of my own spiritual faith that I will. Not in a vindictive, God's going to smite me back type thing, but just in a cause and effect that that hurt is not benign and it's going to come back. And we have the opportunity to feel to make those decisions every day, Tom, one aspect of this in looking at the discussion on circumstances, on the environment uh, that stoicism speaks to and having a, you know, not letting I title, I think the first show this not letting external forces control your reality every single day, unless you stay on your couch isolated. And even then maybe every single day, there is going to be an external force, something you can't control, something you did not decide upon that's going to feel bad. Little, little be bad, big be bad. Little T trauma, big T trauma. Something's going to happen to you. You didn't choose and it's going to happen to you and it's going to feel bad. And we have, and here we are. And then we choose how we respond and taking that aspect of I reap what I sow. If I believe that, if I believe that these virtues are greater for my, the, the greater good and, and myself as a part of that, then my decision is based on that. My decision to be, even though I may be victimized, to be a victim, to blame, to accuse, to polarize. I mean, we come into this every single day. I, and I, I even feel like, I don't know how to define this, Tom, but even as I look, if I choose to look, which I don't often, but if I do look at the headlines and look at the, the poise and the venom that's happening constantly, even that, even where my mind goes, if I look at social media, which I do again, less and less every day now because of the, uh, just the, the disharmony, let's call it that that's going on. And if I look at that, even my mind is making decisions. My I'm even, I'm even thinking about my feelings. If I feel, maybe I don't react to it. I don't respond to it, but even my feelings, and I get the chance to, in my thinking, in my head, virtuous thought, which is convicting. Not, not uh, dissing myself for having that first angry feeling, that first net bad negative feeling, but then to ultimately step back and have, can I have back to that word compassion? Can I have an emotion? Can I have grace? Can I have some tolerance for, for this? Because I need the same thing for me. I, I'm, I would hope somebody, am I building up a storehouse of that for me? Can I have compassion here? Cause I'm going to sure need it in the next moment when I go off left field. Um, this is, again, it's an, that's why we're talking about it. It's an important 
concept. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that people are gravitating towards stoicism. I'm sure you're, we mentioned on the show, Ryan holiday is probably the best known name in stoicism. Tanner says that their views are a little bit different, but the essence of it, I feel like is the same. And, uh, I'm grateful to see these guys pushing a, a, even the concept of whatever way of life it is, will we conceive of and adopt a way of life, which interestingly back to the not to pitch that, but back to the you know initial aspects of Christianity and Jesus, it was called the way. It wasn't called Christianity, it was the way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. It is. Uh, well, I'm grateful to be part of the Ziegler way of life that has... Uh, the that, Ziegler way. The Ziegler way that has really, yeah, has been a flagship, a light. Talk, you talk about Seth Godin, one of the biggest business influencers out there and, and what he attributes to your dad, Zig Ziegler, and the Ziegler way of having molded and shaped his life and his virtues is just powerful. And it's so awesome that you spoke about Dave Ramsey. You were just there in their new place and the honoring that they did of you guys. Uh, so yes, what an honor. Um, well, Hey, thanks brother. I knew this would be a topic that would resonate and I would, I would learn from, uh, from you. Grateful brother. Good stuff. Thanks. Okay. Friends, if you want more on stoicism and a way of life, tune into Tanner Campbell's daily podcast, practical stoicism. I've enjoyed becoming friends with Tanner and so appreciate what he's doing. A reminder that June 15, 16 of 2023, I'll be with Tom Ziegler, who you just heard here. We'll be in Dallas attending and speaking at the Ziegler Coach Summit. If you're looking to influence people for the better professionally and personally, I invite you to join us. And the first 10 people who register and say you heard about the event from me, I'm taking you to dinner. Go to Ziegler.com slash Coach Summit. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven.